Welcome again uh, to our Sunday service. It's um, it's eleven twenty eight, and uh, it's, it's week eight um, uh, as we uh, gather together uh, like this. Um, uh, to, tonight, I want to say that our uh, Zoom uh, prayer meeting is going to be pushed back a little bit to seven thirty. Um, we're going to be meeting on there from seven fifteen because uh, the Prime Minister has an announcement to make uh, at seven o'clock, and it's important that we hear these things. So uh, do remember that. I'll put on some details this afternoon about um, the uh, how you can get on there again. The uh, the meeting ID and the password uh, to enable you to join with us. Thanks again uh, to Matthew and Lindsay for uh, for leading us in praise and for uh, Chris uh, for bringing us that Sunday school uh, lesson. Um, we're still looking for the treasure uh, in this room. We haven't found it yet. Um, I want to say that uh, it's great that, that we can gather like this. Uh, this is one day in seven. Uh, this is the time we set aside to worship, uh, and uh, we 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 do want uh, to to do that together and. Um, we, we're going to ask uh, for God's blessing on that now as we as we pray together. So let's let's bow our heads, and I'm going to lead us uh, in a moment or two of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we we do bow uh, again before you. Uh, we come uh, to you this day, and we we thank you that uh, we do have this day uh, set aside for worship. Uh, one day uh, in seven, uh, bless us as we meet uh, and as we seek uh, to gather uh, in the best way we can, uh, despite our present uh, difficult circumstances. Father, we do uh, bring to you the situation in our world with this virus. Uh, we thank you that in our country, even though we are through the peak, we have uh, many people who have lost uh, loved ones. Uh, we do. I think about Muriel uh, for, for Maureen uh, Smith's uh, uh, sister who, who lost a niece uh, among uh, the number of those who have died on Friday past Father and we do pray for help uh, for Maureen and for her sister especially Father and uh, for that family uh, in uh, Rotherham now please provide comfort Father for those who mourn and continue to do so uh, we thank you um, that um, in Northern Ireland uh, the deaths have been less than what was projected Father and yet um, we do pray for many who still mourn uh, thank you for enabling people uh, to cope, Father, in this isolation, and this lockdown, in this uh, difficult time of, of, of shielding and being apart from loved ones and friends. And I pray that you continue to sustain us in that. Uh, we pray um, that you would um, uh, that there would be no such major outbreak again, and that uh, we would be better fixed uh, to test and, and isolate uh, those affected if it comes in your purposes uh, in the near future, Father. Uh, we do pray about that. Uh, we pray that um, for developing nations uh, not blessed with health care and the NHS and sanitation like, like we enjoy Father we pray that you would help there in particular we, we pray that, um, that, that, that you would bring treatments uh, and, and indeed a, a halt to the spread of this disease uh, we pray that governments would be wise as they care uh, for their people we, we think about Brazil we think about Glenn and Rachel and little uh, Lorena today and, and there Father in that country the deaths are rising and, and fast and we pray that you would help them and, uh, and sustain them and give them grace especially uh, in these days so far uh, from uh, from some family father uh, we pray for our hospital workers um, we remember them we remember Lloyd we remember Tracy in COVID wards uh, we pray for Ian and uh, for Chris and Claire who, who work in the city hospital father we pray for June and Deborah uh, and Josh uh, in, in the Ulster and also for Abby as she serves on the ambulances father please help there and protect and continue to sustain them as they do such excellent work and are very much our heroes. Uh, we pray for our Prime Minister. Uh, we pray, Father, for those in local government, Father, and in the Assembly, as, uh, as in these days, Father, they seek to make decisions about the unwinding of the lockdown. Please give them great wisdom, Father. And we do pray for, for um, Arlene and Michelle and for Robin Swan, the Health Minister, and others. Uh, we pray that churches, Father, would not be left at the bottom of the pile when they think about uh, the easing of some restrictions. Father, help us to, to, to find 
ways to, to comply with social distancing and yet to be able to meet together, uh, Father, in, in the near future. Uh, Father, this is Ramadan. This is day 17. And we pray today for the progressive Muslims and those that seek to, uh, to think again about the old teachings, Father. And we pray that as they do that, that they would find uh, a pathway to the truth. They would open their minds up to, to the gospel and the Bible and the teachings of Jesus, uh, not just considering him to be a prophet, but considering him to be everything that they could possibly need. We pray that they would search and find the truth. Um, uh, and we pray uh, across the Islamic world for that today. Uh, we, um, we, we do pray for our fellow Baptist churches across Ireland. We think about Waterford, Father, that we're connected with. Uh, we pray for them as they, um, as they seek to um, minister to the people uh, and feed the people in this difficult circumstance. We pray, Father, for up and down the land, many, many Baptist churches in our association. And we pray uh, for them as they also long uh, to soon meet together again, that you would be generous in that. Um, thank you for our church family. Uh, thank you for each and every one of our church family. Father, knit us together uh, in these days as we uh, are restricted to phoning each other, Father, and CDs and, and, and online services rather than, than services proper. Uh, we pray that you'd help us to be there for one another uh, and help us to indeed um, be, be soon able to, to uh, gather around the Lord's table again together. Uh, we pray that you would hasten that day. Uh, please, Father, uh, work in our hearts and in our lives as we gather uh, as, uh, around your word just now. We, we thank you for the word of truth. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus uh, who enables us uh, to... Um, to come before you who enables us uh, to uh, say yes to you and no to sin uh, who, who indeed solves the problem of our sins and before you uh, we are uh, in him made righteous uh, bless our time and we thank you uh, for your love uh, for your care for us for your provision for us for all that you've given to us and we praise you now in uh, Jesus our Saviour's name Amen I wonder would you turn with me again to that passage which Deborah read for us a few moments ago. It's James chapter 1 and we're reading from verse 13. We're considering verse 13 this morning. And the title that we've called it is Why the Temptation. Why the Temptation. Um, human birth. Uh, and indeed pregnancy uh, are something uh, very special uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful story of, of the miraculous uh, that is uh, in fact the story of every one of us uh, it's what brought all of us into the world after all and yet to tell the story of, uh, of a pregnancy from the external perspective isn't very interesting. Uh, there's no real sign of anything going on day after day, uh, week after week. Uh, yes, the, the mother's stomach is getting bigger, yes, but, but that happens to people all the time, uh, particularly on lockdown snacking, uh, maybe. Uh, yet from the internal perspective, from the internal uh, perspective, that's a completely different ballgame. Uh, the changes are massive. Uh, the uniting of two cells becomes a little person with a, with a heart uh, so early on. Uh, he or she develops lungs and a mind and arms and legs and, and grows so fast. And, uh, and the development of the organs and, and the skin and, and that amazing moment when a little slice is cut across the closed eyelids uh, near the end uh, to open the eyes just at the right time. It's fascinating. Uh, it's really all about the inside. It's all happening on the inside. Uh, we've been looking at James uh, under the title of Faith While Scattered. Uh, in, uh, in week one, uh, we saw how James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, has, has written to give his people some perspective. Uh, he, he's an elder in Jerusalem. He, he was an elder in Jerusalem, and his people are now scattered all over the place. 
and he writes to give them and us a totally uh, new perspective on trials. Uh, we, we call that uh, sermon, Why the Trials? But this morning, uh, there is a legitimate uh, question that hangs over the, the verses in the teens of James chapter 1. Uh, and it says, why uh, do I, as a Christian, have to face temptation? I mean, surely it would make more sense if uh, God kept us from it. I mean, I don't need to see uh, sexualized TV ads for perfume. Uh, I don't need to receive crude emails. Uh, I don't need to, to be a, a marketing victim uh, to tempt me to buy more stuff. I've got plenty. I don't need this lockdown even to make it hard for me to live with the people in my household. I mean, things are, are tense and, and it's all because of this. And I mean, and some days it's all picture and no sound. I mean, I mean why? Well, let's consider uh, the blame game. Now look at verse uh, 12 again for context. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, uh, for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That leads us nicely on to, to verse 13, uh, and we can see where this is going, can't we? We can imagine. I mean, I mean we saw that God sends trials. He, he's got good reason for that. We saw that the first week. Uh, he, he's the one who ordains them. So that must mean that, that when it comes to temptation, well, logically, he, he sends them too, right? Uh, it's the same root word. Uh, the original uh, that, 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 that results in both the English trials and tempted uh, are from the same root word. So it's not hard to make the connection that if God sends trials our way, then, then he can send temptations our way. He's, he's the sovereign one. He, he's in control, right? Not right, says James. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He couldn't be more clear, could he? James says, if, if, if this is your thinking, then you've got it wrong. The root word may be the same, but James is not talking about the same thing. He's talking about two different things. Yes, they're linked in some way. Um, let's think of it like this. Uh, trials come, uh, difficulty enters our lives, and we are faced with the issue of response. We're faced with the issue of how we respond, and, and with every trial there comes an opportunity to respond in one of two ways, like a crossroads. Uh, there's a positive response, uh, a good response, uh, the heat is on, uh, and you know it, and, and can react well. You can think that God is building me, he's, he, he's, he's up to something, he's, he's building me so I, I can respond well to this. But, but you guessed it, there's also a negative way to respond. Uh, uh, with every trial there's a temptation to, to throw in the towel. The heat is on, but this time the, the temptation to respond badly is very strong, and, and, and to throw the head up, uh, to, to lash out. When the children of Israel um, are in the desert, uh, they're faced with a trial of new water. It's uh, in a place called Meribah. It's recorded in, the, in Numbers chapter 20. And the people uh, then and there, in those circumstances, have a choice. Trust or complain. Trust the God who, who said he will lead and protect and provide for the people all the way to the promised land. And, and who has led uh, them out of Egypt uh, so far. Or bemoan the circumstances. And the people choose to grumble. Uh, to, to say even, if only we died when our, when our brothers died the last time we complained and rebelled. There's some sense of madness in sin, as we've heard already. Let us think of some examples in our lives. Uh, in, in money troubles. 
in that trial, we're, we're tempted to, to question God's provision. I mean, does he really provide all of our needs? When, we're, when we get unexpected news, that's a trial and we, we face the temptation to, to lose heart, to maybe even to lose faith. When we're suffering illness, we can be tempted to worry and to question God's love and care for us. I mean, does he really care about me? Whatever form of suffering it is. It's tempting to think like that, isn't it? On each occasion, it's an issue of trust. Trusting that he is good and that he is in control and that he knows better than I do. Believing what God has already said. There's the element of choice in it, isn't there? And for the believers scattered from Jerusalem, when they're being treated badly and suffering the impact of poverty, the temptation would be very real, wouldn't it? Temptation to doubt God's goodness and provision. To ask if he really cares about us. Yes, it's true. They're linked. Trials result in temptations. Yes, they both come out of the same root word, but they are not the same thing. Uh, Even a light reading of this passage will show you that. One is from God and, and is there for our good, even if we can't see that. The other is not from God, for God tempts no one. It's not from God. When James says in verse 14, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, he is telling us, he's teaching us, that it's a human trait. It's, it's not from God. It's, it's an inside job. Temptation is something that only man is capable of. God uh, does not tempt us. Neither can he himself be tempted. And I know what some of you are thinking. If God cannot be tempted then what went on with the devil and Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness well that is a testament to the fact that Jesus became fully man he opened himself up to many things in the incarnation he, and temptation was one of them he, he really is like us uh, of course unlike the Israelites in the wilderness he never yielded to that as Hebrews 4 tells us For that would have collapsed the whole plan of redemption. Even as as hard as the devil tried. But fully human he is. Imagine. Imagine David saying to the still married Bathsheba. uh, The morning after the night before. Sure God is sovereign my dear. Don't worry about it. He he brought us together. He's got the whole world in his hands. Uh, He he can do whatever he wishes. I mean he, he wouldn't have shown me you on the rooftop. He would have just averted my eyes somewhere else. It can't be wrong what we did. I mean, don't you worry about it, my love. Nonsense, says James. Bad perspective, bad theology. No temptation, no temptation does not come from God. It's, it's, it's not from God, it's from yourself. It's an internal matter, like a, like a pregnancy. It's all going on on the inside. It's when someone like you or me is, verse 14, lured and enticed by his own desire it's our own desire it's it's hunger for something it's hunger welling up within us you can't blame god for making you fall to sin you can't blame him for the temptation to sin blaming god is is a common enough action isn't it people blame god for things all the time Maybe something like the sudden death of a, of a loved one. And we say, when I get to heaven, I'll point a finger and, and ask him why. And I'll wait there and my answer, no, I'm afraid that won't happen. No, you can't do such a thing to a sovereign Lord. 
No, and you can't just blame the devil. Uh, some 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 Christians do that. Uh, now that doesn't mean that Satan is never involved. Uh, in chapter four, verse seven, James himself goes on to tell us to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But when it comes to responsibility, right? James says the blame lies at another door, ours. Now you can't blame your circumstance either. That's tempting in our modern world where everything gets a a diagnosis and a psychological analysis. I'm not bad. I'm not sinful. I'm just a victim. I'm a victim of my circumstances. We we blame our upbringing almost automatically. I'm angry and abusive because I was brought up in a difficult home. If if my wife was easier to live with, then I would be a much better husband and, and stuff like that. We blame our jobs. Now, if my job wasn't so high pressure, I wouldn't go home and let off steam at the children, or even let off steam at home where the children are right now. We blame our society. It's not my fault. I'm just a man of my era. I'm just a woman of my time. Yet if you think about it, by doing this we effectively blame God too. Because of course... Who placed you with these people in a situation and in that, in that job? He placed you here and now in this pandemic. And, and many of, of these things are, are true to some extent, yes, but they're not the root cause. The root cause, James says, is the man or the woman in the mirror. Many of you will remember the, that national lottery advert in the 90s with the big finger. It's you, it said. It's me. The root cause of the sin in the world is people like you and people like me. We're not just sitting in traffic, says TransLink. We are traffic. And we've become rather good at this blame game because we've been doing it from the very beginning. Remember what happened back in the Garden of Eden? Adam, he blames Eve. And Eve, she blames the devil. And they're just innocent victims. Except they're not. And the word on the street is that you and I are good or at worst morally neutral and just sort of susceptible to our surroundings. Yes, we're susceptible to our surroundings, but we're not morally neutral. No, James says that you and I are a cauldron of desires. Evil desires. It's an inside job. Listen to Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Listen to Jesus. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Jesus teaches that whatever is in your heart comes out. It wells up and it comes out. God never lures us to sin. To make that connection from a trial is wrong. So what's really going on then you ask? We've seen the blame game. Now secondly, let's look at the steps to sin. Many uh, desires are, are, are natural and morally fine. Uh, they were given by God for good reasons. Uh, desires necessary for life on planet Earth. Uh, the desire for hunger, for example. The desire for food that, that enables us to give our body enough calories and nutrients to function. Uh, desire between a man, uh, a married man and a woman uh, necessary to populate the earth and, and other reasons uh, the desire for rest which results in, in downtime and giving our bodies time to recover and be well yet when Adam and Eve fell uh, in the beginning it permeated every part of our being we call this total depravity 
uh, John Lennox in his new book, Where is God in a Coronavirus World, says this, A rower in a boat who refuses to row in the correct way will affect not only themselves but also all the others in the boat and may very well damage the boat itself. That's good, isn't it? When you think about Adam and all of us in the boat and he's like the leader. We're in in Adam by natural descendant. All the good things became tainted then when he sins. You know, the desires that God gave us for, for good, we, we, we turned to evil. Uh, the desire for hunger resulted in a desire to feed, that, feed and feed that pleasure until we become fat. Uh, sexual desire was corrupted and, until we created prostitution and pornography and such things and the internet spread it far worse. And the desire for rest which resulted in, in an evil desire that turned to laziness eventually and, and a refusal to work if we could avoid it. All the good we turned to bad. And the process that James teaches us about here from verse 15 is like the story of every human life. It's a birth to death story. Firstly notice desire. James says you're dragged away by desire in verse 15. It's, it's like fishing. An appeal to desire that, that hides the fact that, that in behind that juicy worm is something that isn't just going to hurt you, it's going to kill you. James says this is what leads you to sin. And where does that come from? Not from God, but from within, welling up. There, there's desire. Alongside that there is then deception that goes along with it. Verse 16, do not be deceived. Uh, you don't think or realise that it's, it's going to kill you. You think it's just a little lie. You think it's just a little piece of gossip. You think it's just another little purchase. You think it's just another short video online. It's just another little drug or another small drink or another fruit. Uh, like all the others in the garden. And that's the start. Desire after it has conceived. It's like a human birth story, isn't it? At conception, it's all started. Of course, we believe as Bible-believing Christians that the, that the life begins at conception. God's Word teaches us that. But that so, yes, verse 15, back to, the, back to what we're talking about. Desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. This is where the disobedience is. Sin. Uh, well, I don't know how you would define it, but I think a good summary of it in the Bible is something like this. Living in God's world without regard for him. It's living out of our own desires. And this is the guilty action. Temptation is not sin. Uh, Jesus himself was tempted without sin. Now, fr- from the desire and the will, the sin is now born, James, te- James teaches. Sin, that is the disobedience. That's the the choice, the action, even the inaction when we know we should do something but we don't. We choose not to. And yet we're not finished yet. Sin, when it is fully grown, when it's a big boy, when it's a big girl, it's only got one name. It's death. The language is striking, isn't it, at the end of verse 15. Desire gives birth to sin and sin brings forth. Sin gives birth to death. That's the the way it's written. It's a shocking, terrible experience to have a stillborn child. So much hope, so much promise that then the complete opposite to what you expect comes. Sin is, is like a birthday present to yourself. It's a gift 
to yourself. We just wanted something. We, we just wanted something nice for ourselves. We wanted more money or, or, or more pleasure. We just wanted some more prominence or, or, or more satisfaction or something like that. We wanted that one thing that would complete us. Because we deserve it. But it's a bad bargain. Because what we got was death. Sin's consequences are deadly. It will kill you. It's like, it's like flirting with a series of lovers. The arms of a lover are called comfort or sexual freedom or career or, or power. And, and each of them promises pleasure and, and, and they promise life. And when we are seduced, we give ourselves to them and the conception happens and then it develops. And when the baby's born, it's, it's just death, James says. Think about Adam and Eve. Eve's desire for food is a perfectly natural, morally fine desire. The desire in her eyes shows her a tree with lovely fruit on it. She saw that tree that was good for food. Nothing wrong with that. Then the deception comes. She thinks she'll be alright. She's heard that it will make her wise. But she's also heard that she shouldn't do it. Nobody ever died from a bit of knowledge, right? But remember what God has already said. And then in direct rebellion she eats, she disobeys, and the result is, is death. She gives it to Adam too. Instant separation from all the goodness of God and being with God. And then physical death later to boot. And we're still living with the consequences. The blame game. The steps to sin. Yet, yet God has no part in any of this. He's utterly sinless. Finally we notice the antidote to the fall. Our last point. As we've seen the, the problem is not outside of us. It's, it's not God or, or circumstances or ultimately the devil. The problem and cause of our sin is our own selves. Sin comes from a corruption of, of natural desire. An underlying health issue. A heart issue even. Yet there's no point in determining a problem without giving us the solution. And thankfully, James does not just leave us in this sad state that has been outlined this morning. He doesn't just leave us there wallowing um, in, 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 the, in the terrible situation and the, the kind of um, stark reality of what the Bible teaches about ourselves. It's good to remember here, again, that, that James is writing to believers the Lord's own people, those saved and, and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the Christians, and, and all of us still struggle with sin. We fall to temptation, probably more often than we like to think, certainly more than we like to admit out loud. The old man, the, the old desire. Glenn Scrivener says, By my second birth I am righteous in Christ, but by my first birth I am a sinner. So where do we turn for this treatment? Well, firstly, GM says, look ahead. Without any major spiritual insight required, the, the first antidote to falling, uh, to temptation, to sin, is an appeal to look ahead. It, it's the parent's favourite. Consequences. If you do this, then this will happen. If you uh, don't eat your dinner, then no ice cream. If you draw on the walls, then daddy will get very cross. James in verse 15 Leaves us in no doubt as to the seriousness of our little dabbles with this sort of thing. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It's as serious as it could possibly be. He's saying, look at the consequences. 
but that's not enough. That alone is is the same as telling an unbeliever to try very hard uh, to walk the clean street all by themselves. Try to do better. Try to live well because the consequences of living badly are severe. No, no, we need more. And James gives us more. He says, look ahead to the consequences, but also look up. Now, we, we've seen the, the steps to sin and the nature of man, broken and ruined. But, but look at the nature of God in verse 17. Look at, look at this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is the creator. He's the Father of heavenly lights. That speaks of his goodness. Light, not darkness. He made the world. That's also what the heavenly lights references to. He birthed us all, in other words. And we don't need to give shoddy birthday presents to ourselves. No, we have a Father who gives good gifts. We are deeply loved by Him. We are loved beyond any measure. As low as we had to go to accept a position about ourselves, look how high we get to go when we consider God and what He's done for us. And he didn't give us everything we asked for. Because as we've seen, our desires are often way, way off the mark. No, he's, he's not going to give you a stone or a snake. No, he's going to give you something that gives you life, not death. Because God's gifts are better than anything we could give ourselves. His goodness here is very obviously stated. And it's a reminder to Christians that, that we shouldn't lament our circumstances. As if, as if God hadn't our good in mind. To complain that we don't have the best health compared to someone else or, or to lament our job uh, and to perform, uh, you know, to not try very hard because, well, if only God had given me a better job or something like that. Or my husband, he's not as good as such and such, you know, he, he seems like a better husband. No, 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 you're saying that God hasn't given you what you needed here. You're, you're saying that, that effectively it's his fault. You're saying you're blaming him, really. No, he only gives good gifts. Thirdly, look into his word. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. The word of truth is the Bible. The word of God is vital, uh, is as vital an antidote to sin when temptation comes. Because think again about Jesus in the wilderness. For what what does he do when he's tempted by Satan? Well, three times he says this, it is written. It is written, it is written. He, he, he brings God's word out and he says, this is what it says. And we often need to preach to ourselves in this way when we're facing temptation. And what, what is written about, about sin? Well, James says, do not be deceived. Clearly it's deception. But also think about other, other passages. Colossians 3 uh, says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Uh, you're, you used to walk in these ways. He's writing to Christians. Uh, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator put to death rid yourselves take off that old cloak that old nature and put on the new which is christ second timothy 2 verse 22 says flee the evil desires of youth Flee, it says. Think, think like Joseph. Remember when Potiphar's wife, she's trying to tempt him and he takes to his heels. He, he runs for his life. That's the idea. 
Fourthly, look within. And we can look to the consequences. We can look to the goodness of God. We can look into the word of God. But, but all these are still in some way external. What are we going to do with this internal problem? When we look within, if we're honest, we don't see any solution. In the light of God's word, we see a big problem. What are we going to do with the heart that is desperately sick, as Jeremiah says? Well, the antidote to the stillbirth of sin leading to death is the new birth. Look at verse 18. Very important. Of his own will, he brought us forth through the word of truth. Brought us forth is birthed. That's the same word, right? A new birth we're speaking about here. That gives us power to say no to sin. Now we still sadly fall, but we have new power. Christ is at work in us. It's not I, but Christ in me. In Christ in you. He, he changes us. He saves us on the inside. The antidote is the gospel. The antidote to sin is the gospel. The word of truth. The new life of a Christian, where our record is, is wiped clean and we have Christ's perfect score added to our account. 100 out of 100. And perhaps someone is listening that's never experienced new birth. Perhaps someone is still trying to sort themselves out. To try and get in line with the way these Christians live. You know, I'll just sort of act like one of them and I can, I can do it, I can do it. No, 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 you can't because we couldn't either. None of us could. You need Christ. And the greatest gift that God gives us is Christ himself. Every good and every perfect gift. And that's, that's, that's Christ, ultimately. He's the perfect and good gift. You, you need to repent and believe the gospel, my friend. Uh, the, the word of truth makes Christians. That, that's what word, um, that, that word first fruits refers to in verse 18. And in the New Testament generally. When, you, when it speaks of first fruits it's speaking about Christians. Because we are like, Christians are like the first crop of the harvest. Because one day the entire world will be renewed. J.B. Phillips in his New Testament paraphrase. His, his version of the Bible if you like. Of verse 14 it writes this. A man's temptation is due to the pull of his own inward desires. Which can be enormously attractive. Don't be foolish. Sin is a strong opponent. But God can break through and save you. As a Christian, don't underestimate either the power of temptation. It's not the case that it's easy now that you're a Christian. Don't underestimate the problem. Temptation is real. But it's an opportunity. It's like a, it's like a crossroads. Choose the right path. When it comes at, at you this week, have, a, have fighting, fleeing and choosing Christ. You have those at your disposal. Starve it of the oxygen. Put the desire to death on the inside. Now you can't blame God for any sin that you commit. You can't blame your circumstances either. That's like blaming God. And you can't even point the finger at the devil. Even though he is in some way involved at times and often. No, you and I are ultimately the problem James is teaching us. And as sobering a thought as that is. He also comes to us with the wonderful news that new birth is possible. Renewal is available. And Christ is the one who treats us with the gospel on the inside. The problem is on the inside and so is the solution. 
It's new birth. It's the gospel. It's the word of truth. And it's the word of truth that we need and that we return to as Christians. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm going to pronounce a benediction in a moment or two. But before that, let's, let's take a moment or two, as we do every week now, uh, to think um, about uh, the death of Jesus. Um, think about um, what, what happened all those years ago um, and his mission uh, to save us and his uh, suffering uh, to pay the price for our sins, which resulted in his death and his resurrection, which shows that it is finished. The work is done. Let's take a moment or two to think on that. Thank you, Father, uh, despite uh, the reality of the situation, which doesn't seem terribly good for our self-esteem, and it's not, that the uh, reality of the solution is far better and wonderful. The bad news leads us to the good news. Uh, the state of ourselves leads us to the wonderful perfectness of Christ. And we come today to thank you for what he has done for us on the cross. And despite our sinful condition, he, you love us and he loves us enough uh, to go all the way there uh, to pay the price. Uh, to, to satisfy uh, the debt and your uh, wrath, righteous wrath against um, our sins. And we pray, Father, that you help us to ever live in the good of this, this wonderful truth and this reality that we are Christians, Christ ones. Thank you for what he's done. Thank you for his sacrifice, for his shed blood, his broken body. And we pray this in our Saviour's name. Amen. I'm going to pronounce a benediction and then we're going to sing before the throne of God above. The Lord uh, bless you and keep you. Uh, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may you have a good week. God bless.